Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. Hi, this is David Yaz at the Boston Podcast Network, hoping you are staying safe and healthy during this period of precaution over the coronavirus. It's difficult to connect with your clients and contacts in a period such as this, but here we continue to produce podcasts that allow you to connect with the people that you want to reach. You've got a rapt audience like never before. People are home, they're listening, and they're waiting to hear from you. We can create a professional podcast with a quick turnaround and do the whole thing remotely so you don't have to leave your home. Get in touch with us at pod617.com. This is the Cannamom Show with Joyce and Amy, a podcast where we are sharing the inspiring stories of the real women in the emerging cannabis industry. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, political activist, lawyer, and I've been speaking with women from coast to coast who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, and along with my canna sister, mom, realtor, cancer survivor, Amy Searles, we are on a mission to empower women-centric cannabis businesses by sharing their stories with you. So go make a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint and come learn something new about this magical plant on the Cannamon Show with Joyce and Amy. So welcome, welcome, welcome. We have a Amy. We have another Amy. So another we're Amy. A, another Amy. <laughs> Her name, her name is spelled much more fun than mine. I, I got the boring end of the stick on that one. Oh, stop. We're all in it together. All of us, Amy. We're all awesome. So we're going to re- introduce our other Amy today. We're going to do a little COVID check-in and then right into the Cannamon Show and learn about what she's doing out there in Colorado. So today's guest is speaking with us from her home in Colorado and is the first person I've heard claim that cannabis years are like dog years. And we are all feeling it. Her start in cannabis tourism was a good learning experience that helped her see the necessity of professionalism in this emerging industry. During her time at an integrated marketing agency, she dug deep into learning about the cannabis industry and had an aha moment at a panel of NFL players, which led to her joining Simplifia in 2016. Founded in partnership with Vicente Sedenberg Law Firm, her firm 
is the leading regulatory and operational compliance software platform serving the cannabis industry. And they love compliance, and that's great for cannabis brands across the country. Today's guest is a member of the National Cannabis Industries Association Marketing and Advertising Committee, and in 2018, was named one of the 10 influential women to meet. She understands the complications marketing cannabis products, and we are looking forward to speaking marketing, tourism, and cannabis business with our guest, Amy Larson. Welcome, 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 Amy. Thank you. Thank you. So happy to be here. And um, I think I, I think I pronounced your company incorrectly. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Uh, you know, we tried to simplify the name, but it's always mispronounced. So the company's actually Simplifya. Um, yeah. And I joined them about a year and a half ago uh, okay. prior to working at a marketing agency um, I, most of my life, um, but focused on cannabis since 2014, 2015. So, and I, and I do say your cannabis dog ear things over and over again when I, on the, it's true. It's so true. Everyone feels it. So let's start with your story. You come from a little bit of a conservative background. I know you came from Arizona, which is where my daughter wants to go back to. Yeah, (laughs) I'm going to go back there too. But right now when it's 102 degrees, you know, I I take 102 degrees over 12 inches of snow. It's true. Um, But, uh, but yeah, so I, I grew up in Arizona, um, came from, you know, conservative family, conservative background, um, grew up and, you know, we grew up in the eighties and Nancy Reagan told us Mm -hmm. and all drugs were bad. And that's that we moved forward with. I, we weren't in California. I didn't, I didn't know any better. Like, you know, we believed what we were taught. Um, and it took it took a long time, even here, um, you know, in in Colorado, when we passed medical use in 2009, it was like, yeah, OK, you need can- uh, cannabis for your glaucoma. Sure you do. Yeah. And it was in in it. But I was also of the mindset that, you know, if, if you want to use it, I don't care. It doesn't bug me. Like it wasn't for me but, at that point. It wasn't a it wasn't a lifestyle. I say that about me. I say it's not my natural yeah. habitat, but, you know, it was a I had a cannabis it wasn't awakening. A lifestyle, right. But. <laughs> you know, it, it was, didn't have an impact on my life. So right. do it and, and have fun. Um, when Colorado passed legal or, you know, passed um, adult use in 2004, or they passed in 2012 when it um, became legal in 2014. That's a little bit when my, when my eyes kind of opened and I started seeing that, um, you know, okay, this is a real a, Thanks. it's a real opportunity and A, it's a real thing. And it's a real plant that's really helping people. And I'd gone to, um, Joyce, you, you mentioned in the intro, I'd gone to um, a panel and there was this, um, it was all staffed with uh, former NFL players, um, Kyle Turley, Ricky Williams, these guys who were talking about how their coaches, their physical therapists, their team physicians were telling them to inject themselves with more drugs, to go out drinking, to here's another prescription. And it was all of these things that really are, are poisons in your body. Mm -hmm. Um, but they couldn't use cannabis and cannabis was frowned upon and they would get suspended. They would get kicked out. And even though the healing properties, especially from, you know, traumatic brain injury and, you know, the plant being a neuroprotectant, it was, that for me was the, holy cow, there's something to this that they're telling that we don't understand. So, and I will just go, I'm coming back to COVID because I did forget to do a COVID check-in. So I was actually reading in Israeli times about how they're trying to think of how cannabis can work on this virus. So that's kind of an interesting connection just to where we are at this moment. And uh, right, because it it has anti-inflammatory properties and that could help the lungs. So 
So, so, I, think so, so, I, so, so I just like, Amy, what's going on in your house? Cause you're all home. Right. And I know that your husband <laughs> is, um, I like that your husband is, um, he's a, is he a, a fireman or he's a police officer. Oh, we don't get those two confused. No, no. And that's, that's the other Very thing. interesting relationship to have it with is. someone in this industry. It is. So, um, and, and people are always kind of shocked and they're like, wait, wait, what, how, how, how does that work in your house? And, right. <laughs> it, it works just fine. I mean, um, he does tell a funny story. The first time he pulled someone over in 2014 and had to actually give them their marijuana back was a very interesting experience for him, but he right. would tell you, you know, seven days a week and twice on Sunday, he'd rather pull over someone who was under the influence of cannabis than someone who had been drinking for his own safety. Uh, Right. Safety, you know, they're not going to pick a fight. They're not going to, you know, try and shoot you. They're probably just going to, you know, apologize and, and, you know, get out of the way. Um, But we do have, we do have two kids. Um, So in addition to all of that, you know, working in cannabis, I'm a mom as well, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, My son's 14. uh, My daughter's 12. Amy's in there with you. She's like, yeah, I have a 12 year old boy. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I will tell you, I think the hormones of 12 year old boys are even worse than the hormones of 12 year old girls. Oh, <laughs> don't say that. Don't say it. Sorry. No. <laughs> Having oh, no. lived through one and now living through the second. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but they're fun. And yes, we have, um, we have all been home mm-hmm. um, for six or seven weeks now. And I will say that I am I, I, I can't, I really can't complain. Um, I've been very blessed. My kids are, are old enough to do their own homework. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the most part, there's some math questions that, you know, once in a while mom has to try to help and it's a good thing that it's not too complicated. <laughs> I, 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 I can never help with the math. No, <laughs> I, I, I can go so far. Algebra is about my limit. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, for the most part, they, get their work done. You know, we have dinner at home. We're not running around to soccer games and basketball games and somebody doesn't have practice. Um, I'm thankful I don't have either a senior graduating this year or a young child, kindergarten, first, second grade. Um, my kids are pretty, um, able to take care of themselves and, and they've had to be between, you know, having a dad who's a police officer and, you know, has a pretty rigid schedule and mom works, you know, 50, 60, 70 hours a week and travels out of town. They had to learn to be uh, self-sufficient pretty quickly. But I think that's interesting just so we can see our kids up close and see if we've done a, you know, how our work has gone. So let's kind of flip back to you. So you were working, I know that's like, you would come from tourism too, right? Was that sort of your background? So how did that kind of move from tourism into what you're doing now? Sure. So I, um, I worked in tourism, destinations, food and beverage, uh, restaurants for really the first 20 years really of of my career i started when i graduated from high school and so i worked in tourism um and you know i, I i'll be honest i'm thankful at this point i i don't work in the tourism industry there i know getting, i know um, i get really hard right now brutal um yeah but i was working at a um at a at a pr firm at the time this was prior to the marketing agency and um a, a company here in denver called uh, my 420 tours had approached me oh, and they ran cannabis tours for you know for tourists who came in right. and they really wanted someone who knew travel knew tourism knew how to get in front of the right writers the consumers um but also had relationships with the state tourism office the convention visitors bureaus all those kinds of things i know so we had um we worked together for four or five months um and uh it was successful and that was really kind of my first foray into the cannabis 
space. In terms and, of- and I will say that's how we, I, my husband and I went to Denver and we did a tour. Yeah. Like that's really our, that's my cannabis awakening thing is that we went, we did a private tour, you know, just curiosity. Mm-hmm. And it was, and I wasn't, didn't want to do a bus, you know, but I found someone, yeah. you know, to do, you know, and I like to travel. Traveling is my thing. So um, mm-hmm. we're supposed to go back to Boulder. I mean, Denver this summer, but we were supposed to be in Spain last week. Yeah, no, <laughs> not happening. I haven't left this room. <laughs> All right. Tourism, cannabis tourism. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and honestly, I think, um, and one of my frustrations at the time, and, and looking back, I, I understand it, but at the time it was Colorado was, you know, it was Colorado and, and I think Washington and, and Oregon, they were the only states that had legalized all at that same time. Yeah. And coming from a tourism perspective, I was like, why are we not talking about this? Why are we not, you know, promoting this? And, and I understand now, and I, I mean, I understood then, I just didn't like the answer that, you know, you couldn't promote tourism, you couldn't co- promote cannabis across state lines. So to right. draw out of state visitors, you know, you were really kind of limited to advertising within the state of Colorado right. anyway. Um, so there was that complication. Um, but also, you know, the, the state was very concerned and very hesitant to to put Colorado out there as it's just cannabis. And you know, I, <laughs> there's, I was, there's more I was to Colorado like, than cannabis. <laughs> um, if, if, if people now think Colorado is only cannabis, we have, none of us have been doing our job correctly for the last it's 20 right. years, right? <laughs> right yeah. um, they forget the mountains are there and the breweries are here and there's river yeah. rafting and all that kind of stuff. Like we've, we've missed a step. It's more, it's bigger than that. Um, yeah. And it took a while. It did take a while. And I think now um, I was ecstatic over the moon um, last summer when the Colorado Tourism Office actually named Wanda James to their board of directors. And just say who Wanda Wanda James is. Wanda James um, is the founder of, she's the first um, African-American woman dispensary owner in the country. Yeah, I Um, I think so, yeah. And so she is, um, she's been an integral part of that. And for me, when I saw that, it was like, okay, finally, it's taken us five years to get here, but now we will actually be embracing this and doing it in a way that's still in compliance with the advertising regulations and that kind of stuff. And, um, but it was like my heart, like I, I did a happy dance in yeah. my office when I saw that. <laughs> and I'm not even really working in tourism anymore, but I did. A so happy that was just 2019 dance. you're talking. That was, that was just last summer. She was named to the board of directors, yeah, like okay. July or August. Okay. So not, you know, and we do talk about women in this industry. We talk about women in general, just space that we're trying to create for women to make the rules and women to be the leaders and women yeah. to create an industry. So it doesn't have, so the toxicity of the cultures that we've had, right. um, um, you know, you know, you're some of the ages that we've had to do things as women to get used to other spaces and feeling like we aren't competent enough, as opposed to women creating mm-hmm. spaces where we all feel good or we can like exactly. excel with our, our you know, even when, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. As I say, and even when I started in the industry, one of our biggest bragging points, and this was, again, this was just five years ago, really. Um, one of our biggest bragging points was that there were more women in leadership levels yeah. in the cannabis industry than really any other industry across the country. And unfortunately, we've watched those numbers steadily decrease. I think as a lot of, you know, some of the big um, MSOs have opened up. And honestly, I think it, as a lot of the East Coast uh, legal market legalization has opened up, I think that it's... Well, it was uh, set up out here. I will say like, you know, I live in, we live in Massachusetts. Um, the idea that it was legalized here first was sort of strange, but it did. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and I spent, and Amy knows this, I spent, you know, I'm, I spent... 
2006, 2017, most of that year, sort of like in the women underground world, learning about what yep. the endocannabinoid system is, understanding what the different compounds were, really learning mm. what this is. And I didn't see that many, and I was looking for work. I mean, I thought I was going to make money at this. It's funny. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we all did. <laughs> Whatever. And it wasn't until like, you know, maybe a year later where I got into the place where there were money and it was just, you know, the, and I'm a lawyer, so I know a lot of these people anyways. It was the white men who could get into our medical system, you know, from seed to sale. You have to have those kind of resources to get in in Massachusetts. Right. So it was like almost rigged against people to begin with. Right. Um, so it's an interesting way that we set it up. And it, it, so it did set up that dichotomy where you couldn't necessarily have, you know, a social equity or small, like Caroline's of Uxbridge. It's a, a local um, mm -hmm. retailer here. It's a woman-owned um, recreational dispensary. Really, it's a unique space, but I think she's probably, what's she doing now? Because it's not essential out here. And she's one of the few right. women leaders out here. So it's just, it's not an even playing field, obviously. No, no it's, it, it's not, sadly. Um, and I think, you know, we have to make a really concerted effort, both from a professional women's perspective, as well as looking at who our consumers are. Um, you know, working in compliance is a, is a kind of a different sphere. Um, but, you know, when I worked at a marketing agency, it was, you have to understand that, um, you know, who your core audience is, who your core target market is. But if you really want to attract suburban housewives, you know, soccer moms, that kind of stuff, if that's who your brand's trying to attract, they respond differently to messaging and packaging and, you know, brand touch points and, and all totally. of that kind of stuff. And so totally. I think either, you know, continue to feel ashamed or in the closet. Right. Um, you know, I live, the county that I live in, even though Colorado is fully legal, is a, is a dry county. There are no retail sales in the county in which I live, right. mm -hmm. um, which I also think is, you know, not to shift topics too quickly, but yeah. you know, it's really short-sighted when these states and, and areas legalize. It's like, well, we're going to ban retail sales in our county or within our city limits. Well, the fact of the matter is your citizens are either going to drive two miles down the road and spend those dollars in a different county, or yeah. they're going to have pay for delivery. And so someone else is benefiting from the tax dollars totally. that your citizens are still spending. And I do, I do like to talk pot politics and religion on my podcast, but I do <laughs> like, I love... You know, I like municipal law. I talk about, you know, when I went into law, that was my thing, housing development, urban developing. And uh, mm -hmm. Massachusetts is very local rule, small yeah. selectmen. You have to know the people in your community. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And the idea that these towns, as soon as it was passed in 2016, there was a huge moratorium across the state because people yep. like, you know, it's, you know, and just in terms of local politics, people aren't necessarily invested, but older people in their community are. So those are the people who are sort of making these decisions who don't really know what this plant is. And until right. money started coming in, I could see it across the state. I could, when I went to meetings, municipal meetings, the leaders, you know, selectmen or mayors or however the communities were you know, um, being governed, you know, once the money started coming in, everybody mm -hmm. could see the benefit and, 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 the, and the fear just dissipated. But I know mm -hmm. like in California, because of the way it was set up, there's still a lot of prohibition across the board. But I feel like in Massachusetts, the towns are kind of coming on board, maybe because people in their community are really working with their, like Ellen Rosenfeld of Comcan. Mm -hmm. so they're coming in, they're really, right. these smaller towns, they're working with people who are in their towns and not letting the bigger people come in. I think that's kind of a nice part of it. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, and I think, unfortunately, what, you know, what you were mentioning in California is also what we see in states like Michigan when they legalized. Michigan legalized, um, but then like I think 70% of the local municipalities or counties decided, yeah. nope, not my backyard. They they banned retail sales. So now yeah. it's it's just a, a tiny fraction of, 
of the state that's actually um, going to grow. And people talk about, well, is is cannabis legalization going to be the way out of you know, out of this pandemic. And I think that there yes. are, I, <laughs> of course, I 100% believe in yeah. um, the application of it in bringing it to life from jobs to economic to, you know, all of that. Of course. Do I know that we're going to get to legalization to actually see that become a reality? I'm, I'm not so positive that that's going to happen. Wishful right. thinking, we Wishful. can all pray for it, but I yeah, hope that's hoping. All right. So can we talk, so you are the CEO of an integrated marketing and what, mm. and that's is that how you is that the transition or is that I misunderstand? Um, no, so I actually so when I was at a marketing agency, okay. um, I was really brought in to kind of explore the cannabis industry. Oh, okay, right. And as part of that, I helped to to launch and um, kind of guide our cannabis division. So we carved out an ent- entirely separate division of the agency um, that was dedicated to the cannabis industry because I know that if you want to play in this industry you have to be committed and you have to know what's going on and you have to be you have to you know kind of bear the the struggles that they do if you're an outsider and you're just coming in to to make money on it they're going to see right through it and you're not going to succeed and so it was very critical to me um, when I was at this agency and the agency was was called cone um, that we carve out and really dedicate ourselves to the cannabis industry um, and so I led that practice, um, as well as, um, you know, ran business development for most of the rest of the verticals at the agency. We all wore lots of hats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I had my hands in a little bit of everything, but for me, a, I had developed this passion for the plant and for the power that it has in people's lives. Yeah. Um, and I had also developed a love for the industry and the people in the industry. Hmm. And there are not a lot of opportunities for an industry to come along that you have the chance to be on the front end of this industry, almost as it's being born. And I say that to Humboldt County and people who have been doing this for decades, but as this industry is coming to life, there's not a lot of opportunities in a lifetime for that to happen. And so for me, it was very, that's what I wanted to do. This is where I wanted to be. Yeah, that's um, a, I mean, I think that is the mantra. And I say this, I mean, I say this just because I'm a woman who's been in and out of work and getting back into any industry mm-hmm. is hard when you don't know anything yeah. <laughs> and you're older, and, but this is, nobody knows anything. So as long as you learn it and you work hard, hopefully you can be yeah. part of the, you can use your mm-hmm. micro skills and be part of this and build it in the right, right. way. Yeah, absolutely. And so it was the reason I wound up transitioning from the agency to, to Simplify. I was actually the CEO at Simplify. had actually been a client of mine at a PR firm you know, in the past, neither of us were in cannabis, um, but we had remained connected and um, I was ready to, I was not going to have the opportunity to focus just on cannabis staying at the agency. Um, I I, honestly, I I filled in too many other roles Mm -hmm. Um, and it's really what I wanted to do and the stars just aligned and I was able to to join Simplify and now I get to focus all of my time and energy in, in cannabis and, you know, compliance doesn't sound like the sexiest part, you know, it's not a really cool brand. It's not this cool like vape pen, but it's really, um, I believe 100% that it is what is going to help bring the plant and bring the industry um, forward um, in, a, in a legitimate way. And so the people outside of the industry 
further accept it. Oh, absolutely. And talk about the like, difference it can make. Yeah, like so that it's, yep. and I will say it's the women I'm talking to. It's these women who are CPAs who have discovered in their, you know, that this is something that they want their firm to work with. And they are the leaders because they're seeing how it can help them make money, really. And, right. and the importance of the professionalism, I, you can't under, I can't overstate the importance of this. It just because of the history and the people who kept it alive, these, the brave people who, you know, stayed mm-hmm. within for prohibition. Um, I just read, I just heard the story on the radio about this woman who wrote a book, her mom, uh, she was one of the brownie makers in uh, San Francisco in the seventies uh-huh. and kept, I think it's called home baked, but just, mm. you know, how, how, you know, she was a child. So she knew she, she was an outlaw at some level, but she, mm-hmm. you know, she, she couldn't tell anyone what her parents did, you know, in the seventies and like where we are now is so different. Right. Um, so, you know, but the people who are in that world were not, it wasn't a structured world. It wasn't a regulated no. world. And I, I keep hearing stories from people, you know, in, in California who tried to transition and it just, it didn't work. It's the regulations on this industry are so severe. They and, are. and if you make a mistake, the punishment is drastic. And mm. the, the, the risk management in this is so abnormally risky <laughs> that it's mm-hmm. for just yeah. coming to transition. So the idea that you have someone putting in rules and people have to set up within the rules, you know, I think some of the rules are going to get, I mean, you could see it now, like even like with delivery, some of the rules, some of the policies are being eased because I can see they're not mm-hmm. necessary. The, the 8,000 right. 8, check-ins right. to get your dispensary entrance <laughs> I know. have now been reduced to show them your card and they throw it through your window. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right. And, I, and I, you have to laugh at these states who are like, we've put these temporary regulations in place, but don't by any means think that they're going to last till this is over. And it's right. like, consumers aren't going to go back to the old way. No, you know, so and we, sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I said it's arbitrary, the rules that they put in place. Yeah. It is. And and we joke, you know, we half-heartedly joke that, you know, this plant is regulated more than plutonium is. Hmm. And we only half joke because I think it's really, I think we're probably pretty close. Oh, it is true. Um, it, it is absolutely true. And I just, and I, we do make fun of it all the time on the show just so people understand why yeah. it's so ridiculous. But I, I understand why you know, we are living in an anomaly history. We are living in this hundred years of uh, degradation of this plant to the point where we believed, I believe that if you smoked it, you had brain damage and you had to go to right. jail. Like, right, right. That's a really hard thing to overcome. So I yep. get it why people were so nervous when they put these rules in, but now they can see that it's okay and they can start mm-hmm. easing up because it would actually make the industry more profitable because they wouldn't have to keep implementing all the craziness and the packaging. Yeah. Oh my, oh my God. God, the packaging. <laughs> What, know, okay, silly. let's talk about that. You must be, what is on the, what's in the future for compliance and packaging? Because it is absurd, 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 absurd. It is absurd. <laughs> and, and honestly, I think we are going, I think we're going to have to find some kind of happy medium where things are still childproof, child resistant. Right. Um, but we've got to find a way to quit, um, you know, to use more, you know, sustainable, biodegradable, some kind of packaging, totally. the amount of waste that we have to do because you've got your inner package and then you've got this one has your label on it and that one has to have your license number on it in some places and and everyone's different and so the poor product manufacturer packaging manufacturers you know they have to for them to grow a business they've got to have you know all of the rules all of the regulations you know different designs for every single state that they're working in um from a compliance how, how, how many states are you working in with your uh, simplifier uh, simplify we currently are in 19 states and so, when we work in 19 states, we also work in all of the local jurisdictions. So 
for example, like we, um, we've been updating all of the COVID-19 regulations as they have come out. Wow. So we have done updates of over a hundred different, um, we've made over a hundred different updates in over 52 state and local jurisdictions. Now, when you compare wow. that to the actual number of legal states, mm. it's, you know, we're, we're double and tripling up here sometimes. So are you in terms of, like, so are you, I'm just trying to get clarification of what uh -huh. you do. So I, like, as an attorney, I think of like regulations, they like update them regularly, like, yep. like the amendments. So are you actually a database of people who can go and access the information? Or are you just um, informing your clients or how is this working so, with your so compliance? Uh, so what we have done and, you know, it, it's really different than um, how most compliance companies approach um, regulations in the industry. What we do is we go line by line through all of the regulations um, that apply to every different license type, and then we simplify them into a basically a yes or no checklist at a 10th grade reading level. So you don't have to be a lawyer to understand the regulation <laughs> and what we yeah, do, that, I mean, it's, I think it's, I am a lawyer with a master's right. degree and I've read things and I'm like, I don't even know what this means. <laughs> exactly. And you know, we do our best. We work with the state and local agencies on a daily basis. We have a team of um, regulatory affairs uh, analysts and lawyers that go through these regulations all mm. the time. And their, their job basically is to make sure that if our clients go in, they can, they can run an audit of their entire business. So every piece of regulation that applies to their business, or they can run a, a category audit on just, you know, one specific piece of it so that they can kind of spot check things as they're happening. And our goal, you know, kind of Joyce, back to one of your earlier points is we know how much money, how much time and effort these licensed operators have you know, invested in their business. Their license really is the most valuable piece of, of their business, of, of anything that they own. And I can't grow plants. I'm not allowed to touch our plants. Um, yeah. I have a huge brown thumb. Um, we can't Me grow too. it. <laughs> no, they keep telling me I have to grow it. <laughs> we want to make sure the people who can grow it continue to grow it. Exactly. And the people who provide it and sell it can continue to provide it and sell it. So our goal is to help make sure that those licensed operators maintain their license and continue to be able to, to provide um, this essential plant to, to their customers and, and to their patients. And I saw, is that how you, is that your connection to Vicente Sedenberg or is that? So, so we were kind of um, born out of born in, in partnership with Vicente Sedenberg okay. because when they started, um, you know, after Colorado legalized, when they started having to go in and audit their clients and audit their customers and, you know, make sure they were going, you know, all of the, the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed, they found that there had to be a more um, efficient way to do this. There had to be an easier way to go through and, um, you know, help help their clients be be compliant and maintain their compliance. And so that's really where the software piece came into it. Mm -hmm. And so when it launched, when Simplify launched in 2016, um, I, <laughs> full transparency, it was really a tool designed for lawyers. Um, we were trying yeah. to sell it to licensed operators, but it was a tool designed for lawyers. Yeah, and which so, makes sense. I mean, obviously, I mean, lawyers don't know everything, people. We look stuff right. up. That's how we know it. But, but, <laughs> no. And, and our clients kind of, you know, at the time kind of said, uh, this isn't how I would use this and this doesn't really work the way I want it to. So, you know, it's simple. It's only three years old, We're only three and a half years old. And so it software tech and software update 
take some time, but we've done um, a lot of great use case scenarios and the, the, the way that the software is built now and the way that it is where we have a huge update coming in about a month that is going to, you know, make it so much easier for people. So now it really is designed for someone who is not a lawyer to audit their business. They can, they can go through their grow. They can go through their manufacturing facility. They can go through their dispensary. They can use it as a training for their employees because, you know, nobody wants their valuable, you know, their bud tenders doing something that they shouldn't to someone they shouldn't. And then they've, you know, now been fined or lost their license. So, um, it's a really, it's a really incredible tool. And it's, um, it's, we, we, we joke that, you know, compliance is the sexiest word in cannabis because we'll keep you out of an orange jumpsuit. <laughs> right, that, that is going to actually be the title of your show. <laughs> okay. okay, I love it. Uh, that's so funny. So like, can we just talk about, I have a couple more minutes and then I have to do a break, yeah. but um, like, so who are some of your clients who you're working with now? And do you see any, I mean, in compliance, again, I mean, the labeling is a thing I talk about all the time. Right. Um, do you see do states work together at all on this? Like, no. is there any idea that at some point we're going to be one country again and it's all going to be one? No, never. No. I, it would be <laughs> nice, but my my guess is that even if we get federal legalization, that is just going to add another layer of rules yeah, on top maybe. of what they're already dealing with. Um, because, you know, you've got local, you've got state, and then you add federal to it. Everybody um, wants to be the end all be all. You know, in California, you've got the BCC and you have the Department of Public Health and you have the Division of Farm and Ag. So, you know, there are mm. all these local, um, you know, agencies that are already working on it that I think adding another layer of legalization to it is just it's just going to add more rules. Well, that's interesting. Now that, but it might open up interstate transportation, interstate commerce, which I think would be a huge opportunity. Oh, enormous, enormous. I mean, yeah. I think once yeah. that, I mean, I mean, although we talk about that in terms of hemp now, actually, actually hemp, how much do you do with that? Do you talk about like the, we actually, um, we actually don't work in hemp or CBD right now because the regulations haven't been finalized yet. And because you know, it to go through and to create all those regulations for them to then, you know, implode and, and change. We just decided to focus on the actual cannabis licensed operators for now. Um, we will eventually uh, um, expand into hemp and CBD, but that needs to get a little more um, concrete regulations in place. That's kind of, and I think people don't actually understand how different the businesses are right now, especially having the farm bill yeah. passed, which, you yeah. know, one thing I have been talking to people in the CBD hemp world farmers specifically you know the whole point three level is yeah. tricky and that you can again you can lose your license you can lose whatever mm -hmm. it is that allows you to grow it forever if you mess up so yeah. you know is there any have you heard of anything about compliance elevating that point three um for growth mm -hmm. i mean and, and the final product would have to be under point three is there been any discussion of that I have not heard any discussion of that. That doesn't mean that there that there hasn't been, um, but I've not heard any um, any conversation. I think that 0.3% is just kind of you know it's someone's comfort level, and so that's what we use. And I I think it's I think it's probably going to get to the point where that's just what everybody knows and accepts. Yep. And and it's just you know it is because it is kind of thing. It is because it is. All right, there you go. All right, so we're gonna take uh, so we're gonna take a quick break because we're gonna announce the winner of the a bong for a mom campaign it's going to be exciting oh people <laughs> people so and on the other side we're going to do a little cannabis news and then round it all up with my friend amy larson of simplifier be right back 
Well, I just want to thank everybody. We finished up the Bong for a Mom campaign. It was a great success. We had a lot of fun doing it. So I hope you had some fun participating in it. And if you missed the live stream, it's being reposted on Facebook and Instagram, I think. So go check it out. I was wearing an awesome pink suit. I think I look kind of cute. All right. So we're going to announce our winner. But we're first, we're going to go from 10 to 1. <laughs> in the order of our ambassadors and then we'll do the drum roll and we will let you know who won in case you missed the um, Instagram, Facebook live feed and don't even know who won the bonk quilt. So you ready, Aim? I'm ready. All okay. right. 10. Heather Dagley of Bud and Blossom. Nine. We had a tie. We had Catherine <laughs> Rossmore, Eagle Eye Transport and our friend Doreen Sullivan of My Bud Vase. Woo. Okay. Eight. Uh, Julie Battelle, this awesome nurse out in Massachusetts, helped me get my medical card. Love her. Oh, yeah. Seven. <laughs> Caitlin Moakley of Soil and Spirit and Cosmic Sister. Six. Oh, the amazing green nurse, Sherry Tuckus. Five. Oh, our friend, the president of Comcan, Ellen Rosenfield. What a great dispensary and cultivation center out in Medway. Love it. Yep. Four. Julie M. Mejia of Holistic Hemp Solutions. She is a lovely person, and she's an advocate for cannabis education. Three. My mom, Debbie Gerber, the <laughs> Canna Nana. She was a good sport. Yeah, totally good sport. Yeah. Two. <laughs> Liz Cost of Fog and Tree. She's got some great products out there in, um, out there in uh, the western part of the country. You can smell like mm -hmm. a, a tree in the cedars. It's beautiful. So in check it out. Redwood, the redwood the trees. Forest. Yeah, the redwood trees. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> and Dave, number one, you ready? Canadian Canada mom. Woo! Woo! Yay! It's so exciting. <laughs> All right. So this was really fun. We had a good time. Maybe we'll do it next year. I don't know. But we have another campaign coming out next week. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. And uh, now back to the Canada mom show. Woo! All right. We're back now with our guest, Amy Larson. We're going to go to Amy Searles to talk about uh, <laughs> a little cannabis news and then we're going to finish up our interview and that'll be another episode of the Canna Mom Show. It always goes so fast. All right. So, oh, Aim, yeah. what's going on out there in the world outside well, my window? You know, I just have some fun little things. Uh, it looks like High Times Magazine has yeah. uh, opened up their whole um, digital archive so you can like look back and look at all of the magazines, you know, from the 70s through now. So that's kind of fun. And, and they bought dispensaries. Yep, they also acquired. Did you see that? Yeah. yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that was my next thing. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm on it. Um, they acquired 13 uh, California dispensaries. So that's really interesting that they're getting into that market. Well, they have new woman leadership, so things are better over there. Oh, yes. Yes. That is correct. Thanks to, <laughs> thanks to Stormy. She knows what's up. She knows our, <laughs> our friend Stormy. All right. And, uh, yes, yes. And, you know, there's a new cooking show, a cannabis cooking show that just uh, just aired on Netflix. There's six episodes, and it's called uh, Cooked with Cannabis. And it's, um, it's a competition, and whoever, you know, creates the best cannabis-infused dish gets 10,000 bucks. Who's, who's, who's fun. So I, I know who's watch that. Who's judging it? Are they celebrity is, judges? Or is it just like <laughs> cannabis celebrities? It's it's hosted by um I'm gonna say the name wrong. Kelly. Okay. Oh, I'm so old. <laughs> but uh <laughs> are they under twenty? How old are they? Like, anyone younger than fifty is young to me. I, I don't know. She's a cookbook <laughs> author. Okay. Um 
yeah, and she's a singer, and I think I got it right. I don't know. All right. Um, anyway, yeah. So it's uh, each meal is going to be judged by her, uh, leather. I don't know who leather is, and a guest judge. You know, again, I'm out of you know the whole pop culture thing, but I do want to watch it because it sounds like fun, and I love cooking shows. I love Top okay. Chef. <laughs> I like. We used to watch the um. It was one. It was like a family event with my kids. Like last year, the bong. It was a bong something. Bong a petite. Bong a petite. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That's so, right. That's another so, good show. So once I opened up as a cannabis consumer, Amy, you know, now like everybody, it's like an open cannabis house here. So it kind of comes back to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, now my kids are home from college. They're 18 and 21. My son has been trying to teach me how to roll a joint, which I cannot do. I do not know what is wrong with me. <laughs> no, buy the cones. That's it. I might have to. Anyway, so, you know, oh, and, and, I, and I think it's actually made our, we've been five weeks, five weeks we've been here together. I think it's actually made the whole experience a little better. And my son's a musician, Amy knows. So he's been playing mm-hmm. music and we've been doing like sing-alongs at night. So Aww. I think it's been helping. So how's, how's it working nice. in your house? I know your kids are younger. Amy so Larson. Me, yeah, yeah, other, yeah, yeah. Cause I, I know what goes on. I know what goes on in Amy's house. <laughs> um, right. You know, it's, it's, it's been fine. I mean, we've had between being married to a police officer and a mom and cannabis, you know, we've, we have very upfront, frank conversations with our kids about it. And right. I, um, I, I vape and I use it topically and I use edibles. I don't smoke joints, but, um, they, the other night I hadn't been sleeping. And so I took, um, I had an edible sitting with me downstairs. So I have to take it an hour before I go to bed so I can actually sleep. And my daughter's like, Ooh, mom, what's that? And then she looks at me, she goes, is it pot? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, it is. And she goes, okay. And she walked away cause she just knew, you know. Exactly. It's like, like, get any of it. <laughs> like they know that you're not going to give them like they're 12. You're not going to give them like a beer or like a, a martini. No. I mean, it's just, it's, exactly. no. No. whatever. It's, it's, it's absurd. The idea that if you're hiding it is what makes it so weird. I think. Exactly. And, and it's correct. Exactly. So and they know what industry I work in and you know, right. our, I think we need to give kids a little bit more credit. I mean, and mm-hmm. I think people outside the industry need to realize that we're not, nobody's trying to sell it to kids. Nobody wants it to get it in the hands of kids. It's too expensive. Why would we give it to our kids? Why would we put it in food and then give it to them? It's just an expensive product, people. Oh my God, that was like Halloween. People were saying people are going to put edibles in your kids' Halloween bags. And I'm like, no, they're not. Do you know how expensive Right. I know. Exactly. All right. Amy Larson, this has been wonderful. Okay, do you want to talk about um, one more? Oh, wait a minute. Pardon me, Joyce. Producer Dave chiming in. Hi, Dave. Just, just. How are you? I'm good. Just to just to close the loop, the show on Netflix, Cooked with Cannabis, is hosted by Kellis, who Kellis, you might remember thank as you. the sing- you remember you know what she was famous for before this? No. She sang that song Milkshake. The milkshake brings my boys to the yard or whatever. Do you what nope. you know that song? You don't know that song? I yes, know you that song. Do. Oh, thank you, Amy. Um, do you wanna you wanna see the trailer for the show? Yes, that'll be good. Let's hear it. is a revolution taking the cooking world by storm. And it's all because of this star ingredient. Pot, weed, chronic, the sticky icky. THC, the active component, where the party really is at. Welcome to a cooking competition like no other. All right, that gives you a taste of it, right? I love it. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) So there you go, people, that's not really mine. 
whatever. I love it. I'm going to put. <laughs> I got a post. Cannabis is big enough for everyone, Joyce. It is. All right. So this is like a <laughs> little teeny tiny corner. Everyone. And I say that because I always say women our age and older, we know the least and we can benefit the most. And that is why we're doing this show because we want to introduce women to this. It's not just the fucks and the shits. It really is about women's <laughs> health and taking care of ourselves. So, all right. So thank you, Amy Larson, for joining us today. Thank you. Um, yeah. Thank you. Uh, what's the best way to reach you if you're looking for clients or people looking for information? Yeah. So anybody interested in, in compliance, um, our website is simplifya.com and that's simplify with an A at the end.com. <laughs> um, if you want to reach me, I'm on LinkedIn um, all the time. Um, my email is Amy, A-M-Y at simplifya.com. Awesome. All right. So thank you, my guest, uh, Amy Larson from Simplifya out there on the uh, West Coast, I guess. Enjoy your day. Is it morning? It's morning there, right? Uh, it is 10.15. All right. So okay. your day's just beginning with us. It's good. It's like our new morning yes. show. Okay. <laughs> I want to thank Josh Lampkin for writing and performing the Canamom theme music. I want to thank our business team, Kelly Dolan and Laurie Lennon, our attorney, Kim Craner of McLean Middleton, and our newest partner, Cannabis Creative Group. And mostly, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canamom show, where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one can of story at a time. And I'm Amy Searles. Please follow us on social media at The Cannamom Show. And please subscribe to our podcast. We're on Google Podcast, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're there. We're there. And I'm, and I'm Joyce Gerber. And this is The Cannamom Show, a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.